Let's be on our feet, please. Let's just worship God with this song. And here we are, lifting our hands to you. Here we are, giving you thanks for all you do. And as we praise and worship your holy name, Shine, Lord, 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 Lord,
Lord, we give you praise, we give you praise, we give you praise. You are dwelling within our praise. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we exalt your name. For every answered prayers, for always being there for us, for the love that hear us when we call on your name, for the hand that lifts us even when we fall, you are always being right beside us, leading us along the way. And that is why we are where. We are here we are today because of who you are. We give you all the glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence in our midst. I hand over this session unto you, Holy Spirit, to speak through me and bless every one of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we have prayed. You can please have your seat grace of God, our time is fast spent. So we quickly go to the message. We're going to be concluding a session that we started which was intended to be completed within a service but because of time we couldn't complete it that day and that is maximizing the benefit of divine instruction part two. In part one our text was 1 Kings 17, 8 to 16, the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath, the woman listening to God through his servant, and she was preserved in the time of famine. And we said our focus treating this topic is going to be the precept for this church for this year, which is for us to pray. And we look at two of how can you maximize the benefit of the year instruction prayer? What can we do to ensure we maximally gain the benefit that comes with it? And I want to believe if someone is like me, you have been enjoying the benefits. And I pray that by the end of this year, when you look back, you will say, indeed, God has answered all my prayers. That shall be your testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Maximizing the benefit of divine instruction, part two. Let's open to 2 Kings 13, 14 to 19. Now Elisha was falling sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the husband thereof. And Elisha, verse 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. And he said, Open 
the window eastward, and he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot, and he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrian in Afek, till thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them, and he said unto him, said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice. He smote three times and stayed. Verse 19. And the man of God was wrought with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. We are as now that thou hast smite Syria, but thrice. Praise God. God said to us this year in Colossians 4 2 that we should continue in prayers and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. And in Psalm 145, verse 17 to 19, it gave us the promise that when we pray, it will answer us. The first thing I want us to know this morning, this afternoon, before I go to the point is. God is always delighted whenever you and I, his children, pray. He's happy about it. Why? Because it commits him to answer. In Proverbs 15, 8, Proverbs 15, 8, the second part of it said, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright, his children, are his delight. And when God is delighted about you, you can imagine what will happen. He will open the windows of heaven unto you. He will bless you beyond your expectation. Psalms 18 verse 19. So he brought me forth also into a large place. He delivered me because what? It delighted in me. Now, while I was meditating on that first part, the Holy Spirit corrected me about something. I mentioned that the precept of this year and the promise is like a blank check. Sorry, it's like an open check unto us. And I discovered that open check and blank check, they are actually different from one another, Right? When you say open check, it means you put the value there. It is not crossed. So when you get to the counter, you can draw the money. But there is, the, there is an amount that has been put on it. Right? But when somebody gives you a blank check, what is that? He said, put whatever you want in it. And that is what God has given us. Not an open check, but a blank check. Fully signed with the signature of God. And that was the type he gave to Solomon. Say, ask whatsoever you want. A blank check. In John 14, 14, he said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. In John 16, 23 to 24, and in that day ye shall ask me nothing. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye ask, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Either though have ye asked nothing. Is God talking about you? Either though have ye asked nothing in my name, ask and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. I prophesy to somebody here this morning, that this year, the Lord will surprise you in the name of Jesus. And that surprise will be against the will of your enemy in the name of Jesus. Every prayer you pray this year will receive speedy answers in the name of Jesus. Somebody will testify every day of this year of answered prayers in the name of Jesus. How can you maximize the benefit of this year divine instruction, which is to pray continually. We mentioned the first point in the last message. Say, what do you do? Believe God who gave the instruction and believe his prophet through whom he conveyed the message. And number two, obey the instruction completely and totally. That widow of Zarephath obeyed the instruction completely, even though it does not look reasonable. It looks, it looks unethical. It looks ungodly. How can a, a, a man come to my house and set the food for my child? I should give to him first. But at the end, we saw what happened unto her. And number three, how can I maximize the benefit of this year's divine instruction? Carry out the instruction with zeal and passion. Carry out the instruction with zeal and passion. With hunger, with thirst, with a strong desire in you. Do it with excitement, with eagerness, not being forced, but doing it willingly. Let it be a life unto you, a part of your life. See, this is what God has said. I'm going to sow myself into it, no matter what is standing on my way. Jeremiah 29, verse 19 says, And ye shall seek me and find me. Now pay attention to this. And ye shall seek me and find me. When what? When ye shall search for me. How? With all your heart. Not your heart is in church, your heart, half of it is outside. Not where you reluctantly even come to church so that they, when they see you, they will not call you and ask you, why didn't you come? You will seek me and find me when you deal with the all of your heart. You do it with half or 99%, you don't find me. Not carelessly or with attitude of indifference. Matthew 15, 8. The people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips. But their heart is what? Far from me. Prophet Eli was careless with divine instruction and his destiny and that of his generation was destroyed. The level of benefit you will enjoy this year 
from this instruction is dependent on the zeal and the passion with which you carry out the instruction. This is a concept that many of us feel God is, uh, God is a gentle God. God is this. If I just do it anyhow, it will answer. <laughs> In 1 Samuel 2, 3, and this is a woman that prayed and she knew what it means to pray with zeal. The Bible says, Anna went to God. She was praying. And her mouth, they were not hearing what she was saying. So much that the priest saw him, saw her. And she said, this woman, you must be drunk. You know what that means? A woman praying and the countenance, the way praying, depicts that this woman was drunk. Look at what that woman said after God answered the prayers. He said, talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge. And by him, what happened? <laughs> by him, actions are weighed. You know, you can deceive anybody. But can you deceive God? <laughs> you can be jumping excitedly in church, doing everything. But your mind is not there. We may not know. We are just seeing the excitement. But does God know or not? By him, actions are weighed. The zeal, the passion with which you obey the instruction. Just like the law of harvest, the degree of your answer will be determined by the degree of your prayer that you pray this year. Say, whatsoever a man sow, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7. And in James 5.16, the second part said, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I like the way New Living Transition puts it. It said, the earnest, the intense, the passionate, the zealous way, prayer of a righteous man has great power and produces wonderful results. Do you see that? Produces what? Wonderful result, which means there are some prayers that produce what? Normal result. And some prayers produce what? Wonderful result. Brethren, please, God has called us this year to be zealous in our prayers so that we can get the maximum benefit. Prayer is a work, a hard work, it's a sacrifice you must be ready to pay that sacrifice. You can stay before a TV or on internet and be browsing and be watching YouTube. Even you can stay on WhatsApp for one hour. But many of you will pray for five minutes. You'll be sweating. So don't think it's going to be a joke. It's not a joke. You must make a time to pray. That is what it means to be zealous in your prayer life. It's going to be inconveniencing. You have to inconvenience yourself. If I ask many of us, how many of us pray at night? You will see how many hands. Not to even talk of praying in the day. (laughs) Or how many hours do you pray in the day, during the day? Not even at night. You need to inconvenience yourself in the place of prayers. To show to God that God see my action. 
and have mercy on me. Now, let me show you this example. I've used this for my wife very many, many times. <laughs> and I think I've shared it in prayer meetings before. If you see a woman, a nursing mother, stays in this front, this place, and we are praying. I say, I'm tired, and sit, sit down. I say, I'm tired, I can't stand, Pastor, I can't stand up and pray. And the son is at the back there. If she hears the noise of that song, what happened to that mother? That is what they call zeal. She's tired, yes we know, but she's still committed to that child. That is zeal. So don't you, when I'm tired then, I should just sleep and go off. The devil will just say, okay, yes, you have slept and be slapping you anyhow. Praise God. To be zealous in prayer means maximizing all available opportunities. Many of us here, you do exercise, isn't it? What do you do when you are doing that work? There's nothing stopping you from praying. We call it prayer work. As you are praying, as you are walking, you are praying. As you are walking, you are praying. Have you ever asked when the Bible said Jesus would go to the bush and begin to pray alone? Do you think we just sit down walking and praying? The Bible says, Elisha, when he, bre- he, he, he breathed on that child, the child refused to stand up. He, he began to pray. He was walking in that room. And before you know it, he turned back. What happened? He stretched on the child again. What happened? The child came to life. Opportunity. Many of us, we have lunch. And the only thing you do with your lunch is to eat. <laughs> I heard of a man, a wonderful man of God. The best place he prayed in the office, you know where it is? In the toilet. Toilet is the place for this man to pray. See, whenever he, he put himself on one month of prayer and fasting, they were trusting God for the fruit of the womb. And that was how God answered. Every lunchtime, where others are going to eat, this man will go to the toilet. I'm talking of UK, so it's where they can't stand. It's not here that you can play, you can walk at any time. They can't time. It's long time. He will sit down, on, in, go to the, to the toilet and begin to pray. And you know what, what happened? One day while he was in that toilet, God opened his eyes and he saw the child. And months after, that child was born. <laughs> Opportunities. It means going extra, well beyond the normal requirements. Many of us here, we don't even declare fasting and prayer for ourselves. Not to talk of even doing the fasting. Very soon now, we're going to be fasting for the next seven days, by the grace of God. An opportunity for you to get blessed. Opportunity for you to cry out your way unto God, like Anna did. And Anna said, by him. By God is a God of knowledge. By him, what? Actions await. Because she prayed away to a breakthrough. It attracts condemnation occasionally when you are zealous for God. This morning we read in the morning devotion, Daniel 6, 10 to 17. That nobody must pray unto any other God except the king. 
And Daniel said, you have made your law, okay, but my God said, thou shalt not bow to any other God. I don't care what your law says. You want to kill me, come and kill me. The Bible says, Daniel went to the place of prayer and three times opened his window so that they would, know, they would hear. They would rather hear God and disregard your instruction. And he prayed three times. And when the adversary came, the Lord surprises adversary. The Lord will surprise your enemy even as you pray this year in the name of Jesus. It means bring a different person. Be unique among men. Many of us just want to follow them the way they are doing it. Okay, let's do it the way they do it. And you will get the answer they get. But you need a unique answer. Then you need to do it differently. Elijah determined to make himself different. He said, let call all the God of, of Bar, all the, the Bar prophets, let them come. And we are going to make a contest. Did God show up for Elijah or not? God did. He was zealous for the Lord. Daniel in one, Daniel one head. The Bible said Daniel proposed in his heart. You need to be determined to be zealous in the place of prayer. I've told you before, prayer is not an easy task. Don't think it's that five minutes prayer you pray that will change destiny. <laughs> If that's what would be the case, how will Jesus Christ stay at night, alone, all through the night? You want to be like Jesus? Then you have to do it. It means no lukewarmness, but being con continuously hot in the place of prayer. Praying day and night. Interceding for others. Praying out your body. And not just ticking the box. Say, have you prayed? Yes, I've prayed. How many minutes? One minute. Of course, I've prayed. Prayer is not just ticking the box. Zealous prayer requires you make out time. Say, God, this is my time for you. And your mind is focused on him. As you pray, you are receiving answer. Say, God, thank you. God, you have answered this. What about this? In Revelation 3, 15 to 17, he said, I know thy works. In other words, I know your prayer life. For thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. Is it better you, it's better you are hot or you are cold. And I know where you are. But he said in verse 16, if you are not careful, if you remain lukewarm in the place of prayer, what did he say? He said, I will spew you out. You know what that means? God may choose to answer your prayers or not to. And you can't do him anything. You see, I will spoil you out if you are lukewarm. If your prayer life is not hot, I will decide not to answer it because you are not applying the zeal that I'm expecting from you. So, I want to have this question. How do you feel? Just to test whether you are zealous or not. When you are not in church during prayer meeting. How do you feel? Do you even remember it at all? Or you can remember other things that keeps you busy? Or when you even come late to prayer meeting, does your heart prick you at all? That, oh, I am late. You started prayer and I, I'm late to the church. Does your heart prick you at all? 
Or when you miss your own personal prayer time, do you just tee it up? Oh, I couldn't pray this morning. You just go ahead and take the tea. Come on. God understand. By him, actions are weighed. Do you see missing prayer time as a great opportunity lost? Or you see it as, forget it, God understand. Or you go to God and say, God, I am sorry. I have missed my prayer time again. Please help me. Help me to recover from this laziness, from this lukewarmness in the place of prayers. Now, I did something at the beginning of this year, and nobody told, I believe the Holy Spirit told me to do it. And I was not surprised when I had the ushers for the record. And the Holy Spirit has constrained me to share with you. In the fall, after the declaration of the prophecy for this year, the first or second meeting after that prophecy, I told one of the ushers, please, every prayer meeting on Thursday, take attendance. And I discovered the first two, and by February, when I asked for the attendance again, our attendance in January has reduced by half by February. I'm going to take you the figure. By January, the attendance prayer meeting on Thursday was more than 100. By February, half of it. Are you zealous? By him, actions are weighed. Jesus was a perfect example of what it means to be zealous in the place of prayers. When I did a study on Jesus Christ, Jesus was not a lazy man at all. If we are to be you today, if all of us here today, even me, Jesus was to be in this town, I will not give him rest to. <laughs> because what? I need power. I need anointing. I need healing. So you could imagine the type of pressure on Jesus. Everybody wants to touch him. Everybody wants to come and pray for me. Come and do this for me. They all want to do everything. And in Luke 6:12, and it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. He continued how many minutes? All night. A busy and tired man. Remember at a point in John 4, when he was tired, the Bible said Jesus was tired and he sat. He sent the disciples to go and get food. He was hungry. What did he do in his tiredness? He won a whole city. In his what? Tiredness. In Matthew 14, 23, and when he has sent the multitude away, and this was after he has fed 5,000 men, so almost 15,000 people fed, you could imagine that noise. No, I wonder how Jesus was able to preach to 15,000 people in those days. I know Mike. You will probably be shouting at the top of his voice on a, on a high altitude for the people to hear what he was saying. So tired, busy, and yet, look at what he did. After that wonderful crusade, 
Matthew 14, 23. And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. Even to climb the mountain, I'm sure it was stressful for him. But he went there not to go and do kiting. But what? To go and pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Many of us, our friends, the folks we have, they are the ones that are not making us to be prayerful. Many of us, we need to drop that, that phone. You need to lock it up in a, in a locker for you to pray. You wake up in the morning, you have not said, thank you, Jesus, for waking me up. What do you go to? Phone. By God's grace, I have made up my mind long ago when God spoke to me. <laughs> Until I said, good morning, Jesus. Quality prayer time. No text is as important for me to take. I don't look up. If you want me to check my WhatsApp, and the, the issue is urgent, you better call me. You don't call me? Sorry. That WhatsApp will stay until when I am what? Free. The more you are present in his presence, the more of his presence you carry. The more you are present in the presence of God, the more of his presence, of his power, of his aroma, of answered prayers that you will carry. Now, let's quickly go to three examples in the Bible just to illustrate this point that God weighs your action. How you pray matters to God. Your attitude to spiritual things matters before God. I could imagine Hannah. Hannah must have been going every year. Say, hi, prophet. He lie. Hi, hi. God bless you. God bless you. And she would go home the same way. The other woman would make hell heart of heart, calling her name, and she would cry, cry, cry. Oh, this woman has come again. She has come again. And she would go back home. But this year, she said, No. I refuse to put my destiny in somebody's hand. Not even in prophet Eli's hand. She went to God and began to cry. Now, let's see the example, the first example. I'm not going to read it again because of our time. It's the case of prophet Elisha and King Joash. In 2 Kings 13, 14 to 19. And Elisha fell sick. And he was about to die. And the man of the, the king came to Elisha. That, oh, my father, my father, if you die like this, I'm done for. No, but no other person anointed to be able to help me to win war. So this man came to Elisha. And the Bible says, Elisha said, okay, do this. Take the bow and arrow. Took, verse 15. He took unto him the bow and arrow. And verse 16. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand and upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hand. So, which, which means Joash was willing and obedient. He obeyed all the instructions. You know, that was our second point. Good? And in verse 17, And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. This man was obedient. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrian in Afek, 
till thou hast consumed them. Now, a smart man will know this is a prophetic season. I don't joke with these. The man said, the fact that you shoot that arrow, you are conquering your enemy. It should have been in a spiritual today. Anything this man say, I have to do it with the all of my strength. Look at what this man did, the second instruction. Verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. He obeyed. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote three times and stayed. And that was where the man missed it. The man of God said, smite the ground. He didn't say smite one time, three times. He said smite the ground. Because of lack of zeal. This man says, he don't do. He smiled three times. And he said, okay, that is all. And the Bible said the man of God was very angry. That why did you stop? Did I ask you to stop? And he said, because you stop, you only win three times. And assuming you have smitten up to five or six times, then you have destroyed them and have total and complete victory. But because you did it three times and stopped, when I did not have it to stop, sorry, you only win them three times. Whose fault? God's fault or the man's fault? Because of lack of zeal. The man failed to maximize that opportunity. Please check yourself. I said it at the first message. What have been the change in your prayer life since the beginning of this year? If everything is still normal, everything is still normal, please check yourself. Don't lose this opportunity God has placed in our hand to pray. Now, let's look at the second example. In Numbers 25, 1 to 13. Numbers 25, 1 to 13. And Israel abode in Shittim. Numbers 25, 1 to 13. And the people began to commit wardom with the daughters of Moab and they called the people unto sacrifice. Can we have numbers, please? Numbers 25, 1 to 13. Somebody is not having Bible. I want us to, to see it. Keep this version. Numbers 25, 1 to 13. Now, verse 2. And they called the people unto the sacrifice of their gods. And the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined himself unto Baalpah. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. Now look at what happened. In verse 4, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them upon before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. That was God's instruction. And look at how Moses passed it across to them. In verse 5, And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one his men that were joined to Baalpah. The people were committing wardom fornication, adultery. And God said, go and punish these people. Kill everyone that is doing this. 
Now, look at what happened. The zeal of one man and what happened to him. Verse 6. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses. And in the sight of all the congregation of children of Israel who were weeping before the door of tabernacle of congregation. God was busy, angry, and was punishing the people. A man said, forget about God. Let me enjoy myself. Let me do what he said we should not do. And look at what happened. In verse 7. And when Phineas, who was not among the judge, that Moses instructed to go and carry out this assignment. And when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. Verse 9, and those that died in that plague were 24,000. Now look at what happened to this man because of what he did. What God said in verse 10. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, had torn my lot away from the children of Israel while he was, what? Zealous for my sake among them, that I consume not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Verse 12. Wherefore say, behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. What did this man do? He was zealous in serving the Lord. He was zealous in obeying divine instruction. Said, because he did this, my peace will be unto, with him. And verse 13, and he shall have it. And he sit after him, even the covenant of everlasting priesthood. Because he was zealous for his God. Remember, the earnest prayer of the righteous produce what? Wonderful results. You know, many of us, we are here today, we are beneficiary of the prayers of our parents. I am one of them. And I cherish that so much. Many of us, we are today just taking the benefit of the prayer of our parents. It may be your spiritual parents or biological parents. And similarly, many of us are suffering from the prayerlessness of our parents. And look at this. That matters happened. It does not matter. But which seed are you sowing for your generation? Which seed are you sowing for your children? Are you praying for them or, God forbid, even cursing them? Which seed are you sowing for your children? Are you on your knees? You say, that child is disobedience. That child does not listen to you. That child is running after bad people. Do you go on your knees to pray for that child? Phineas, with zeal, secured the destiny of his generation. And the third example is it. Is the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Matthew 26, 36 to 45, at Gethsemane, Jesus took the disciples when at the peak of his assignment on heart. The Bible said Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And he said, please tarry ye here with me for one hour and pray with me. What did Peter and John, 
Peter, James, and John, what did they do? They slept off. Jesus said, please pray with me for one hour. The Bible said they slept, for, they slept off. The first time Jesus came, they were sleeping. Second time he came, they were sleeping. Third time they were sleeping. He said, okay, just continue to sleep. No wonder. What happened to them after? When it was time for them to stay with Jesus, what did they do? They ran away. Even Peter denied him three times. And do you know why he said that you come and pray with him? Look at verse 41. Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. So he was not actually telling them to pray for him. He was saying what? Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself that you will not fall to temptation. But they were busy sleeping. Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that is the, the song of many of us. See, I want to pray, Pastor, but the moment I just try, I just don't know what happened. But when you hold WhatsApp, you know what happened. You do it for the next one hour. But when you stand to pray, I don't know what happened, Pastor. No, it is you that happened. It is you that happened. They failed to pray with Jesus, actually pray for themselves when they ought to be praying. Do you know what? If I, I were you, I will share some of my secrets with you. If I were in the position of Peter, James, and John, and the master said, go pray, so that you will not fall to temptation. Ha! I could imagine Peter sleeping. <sighs> and slept off. If I were me, and they were in the bush, you know what I would do? I would be jumping. God help me. God help me. God help me. God help me. Will the man sleep like that? One of my father in the Lord said, what he used to train himself to pray at night. Thank God he was in a duplex. In the night, he would be walking stairs, the stairs. Up and down. Up and down. But you, you want to pray, that is when you now be on your pillow. Say, I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. Is that prayer? No. You have to help yourself. The disciples did not help themselves. Jesus said, go and pray. They were busy sleeping. If I was in that group, I would hold Peter. I would hold James. They were to be John. I would hold them. And the children of us would be jumping. God help us. God help us. We have to pray. Would they sleep like that? No. So don't say, oh, they, there was nothing they could do. They were tired. No. Please note that prayer is your responsibility and no other person. Elijah prayed with zeal and God answered. The Bible says Elijah put his head within his knee. That is how to pray with zeal. Jacob said, I will not let thee go unless what? You bless me. That is zeal. The Bible says his thigh was broken already. He was wounded already. But said, no, until you bless me, God, I will not let you go. I know I'm suffering pain. I am tired. But I will still continue this prayer. I will not let you go unless you bless me. That is what? Zeal. God is watching your zeal and passion with which you pray. He is watching how you do your personal prayers. Your approach to prayer meetings. How you obey the instruction is watching it. Now, the last point 
Atavoro say, I'm going to pray. How can I maximize the benefit of this year's divine instruction? Stay focused on God. Stay focused on God, on his instruction, and never be distracted. Please let me tell your neighbor that. Stay focused on God, on his instruction, and never be distracted. What is that saying? Be consistent and persistent in your prayers. Colossians 4, 2 says, continue in prayer and watch with thanksgiving. Ephesians 6, 18 says, pray always. Persevere with supplication for all things. Avoid every form of distraction. Anything that would distract you from being in prayer meetings, from sitting down and praying in your house, from having your money devotion, from praying and fasting. Those are distractions from the pit of hell. If you don't fight it, it will destroy your enemy, not you in Jesus' name. But please, you have to take your destiny in your hand. Be warned that the devil, let me share this strategy with you. My father and the Lord shared it with me and it has been helping me. The devil will not attack you when you are on fire for God. When you are praying and fasting and you are praying and he knows you are really praying, the devil will not attack you because the devil knows, the devil has sense. Do you see a man, a boy that is staying with the father? Eh? Any nonsense man, come and attack that boy. The boy will be so like this. Come and, come and meet me, come and meet me. You see the daddy, right? But if that boy is alone, what will happen? The, the, the man will mess up his destiny. So devil will not attack you when you are on fire for God. When you are in the midst of enjoyment for God. When you are in the midst of praying and fasting, he will not. He will only come when what? You have won the battle and you want to relax. That is when the devil attacks. Go and ask Jesus Christ. Jesus was sent in Matthew, Matthew 4. The Bible says he was sent to that wilderness to go and what? Be tempted. So he was there to be tempted. But for 40 days, the devil was just looking at Jesus. Go ahead, go ahead. You're on fire. I dare not touch you. No, I will not touch you. I will not tempt you now. The moment Jesus said the fasting is over, I'm hungry. What happened? The devil came. I said, God, that is the strategy. Devil did not appear for that mission until Jesus was over with the fasting. Which means there is no time for resting. There's no time for relaxing. Go and ask David. In 2 Samuel 11.1 1, And it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when king go forth to battle. What was David doing? The last part, David stayed in Jerusalem. And what happened to David? He saw what he should not see. And that was the, 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 the worst part of the life of David. He committed adultery. He committed murder. Because what? He was resting. When he ought to be at battle. I wonder how what you think when you're supposed to be in prayer meeting and you are not busy and you are busy staying, sipping tea or playing golf or playing, doing something else. 
<laughs> Let me not say what is in my mind. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The time to celebrate is not after, but during your battle with continuous thanksgiving. And that's the secret. Our priest have said, continue in prayer and watch thereof with thanksgiving. If you live a life of thanksgiving, you don't need to wait until you have, the victory has come to thank God. You are continuously what? Thanking him. So you don't relax. But if your strategy is, okay, until God did this miracle for me, then that's when I will thank him. Okay, by the time you are thanking him, you will overthank and sleep off. And then we will say, okay, take the blessing. But if you are, you are living a life of thanksgiving, you are living a life that is appreciative of God, the devil can't attack you because you are constantly on fire for the Lord. And in conclusion, Jesus gave a final instruction to the disciples. He said, tarry ye and pray until you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 1, Verse 4 to 5. He commanded them, gave him an instruction that you stay there until you are anointed, until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which has never happened in history before. The disciple could have rationally think, what is this man saying we should do? But the Bible said they stayed there, according to theology, they stayed there for 120 days praying for the Holy Spirit they have never encountered before. They did not give up. The Bible says all of them stayed there until that day came, the day of Pentecost. And the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. Please be on your feet. The disciples could have lost that opportunity if they rationalized, if they, if they were lukewarm in the place of prayers. But they knew they have to be zealous, continuously praying until all their prayers are answered. Somebody is here this morning. Why the rest of us? I just want to be, go ahead and be praying that God, please help me not to relax, but to be on fire for you in the place of prayers. Please go ahead and begin to pray that prayer. Say, Lord, put a fresh zeal for you in me. The zeal for your house, let it overwhelm my life. The zeal for your house, let it overwhelm my life. Jesus, put a fresh burden for prayer in me. Put the engine of prayer, supplication in me and let it never go off. I don't want to die before my time. I want to live a victorious life. Lord, please put a fresh fire for prayer in me. I refuse to be lukewarm in the place of my prayers. Jesus, put a fresh fire on my prayer life. And if you are here, you are not born again. The instruction of God is be born again. You know you are not born again. You are not a child of God. You still commit sin willfully. I want to raise up your hand. I want to pray with you. Please be sincere with God. The Bible said tomorrow might be too late. You are alive today. Do you know what happens tomorrow? But what is more important, where will you spend your eternity? If Jesus Christ should come now, where will you be? You are here. You are not born again. Please, can I see you raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Today is the day of salvation. Somebody is here, I am sure of that, that is not born again. There is no prayer you pray that God will attend to except you start with the prayer of repentance. God does not hear the prayer of those that are not righteous. You are here, you are not born again. God is giving you the last opportunity 
to give your life to Jesus now. And let's pray with you and your life will never remain the same. Is anybody there? You pray that prayer. If you are praying that prayer, God bless you. Please put your hand unto God. Say, Lord, please have mercy on me. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean by your blood. And make me, oh God bless you, my God bless you, my please. Somebody pray that prayer. Just say, Lord, please, from today onward, I am your son. I will serve you for the rest of my life. I will not go the way of the world. I will obey your instruction. And with zeal, I will serve you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. I pray that the God that answered prayers, the one that answered the prayer of Sarah, the one that wiped away the tears of Hada. The one that changed the story of Abraham. The one that visited Paul and changed his destiny. He will visit you and answer all your prayers. Even as you pray this year. In the name of Jesus. Thank you Holy Spirit. Go ahead and give God praise. Go ahead and give God praise. Let's just give thanks to God. Just talk to God and thank Him for God has spoken to us this day. Just spend a few minutes thanking God that He still chooses to speak to us. That He still chooses to give us words of wisdom, words to encourage us. The book of Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says this God gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works are we that people are we that special people You heard today, by him actions are weighed. Let's look at our own lives. Is there any action in our lives that is weight worthy? That when God weighs our actions, it will actually shift the balance needle. Are we all talk and bluster? Or do we have action that God appreciates? Just take a moment to talk to God. Take a moment to think. What changes do you and I have to make in our life in order to be right with God in order to be a delight to God if God has ministered to you and to me today we need to decide what are the changes that we need to make I can't decide for you you can't decide for me I have to decide for my, myself 
what changes am I going to make? Second Chronicles verse 7, chapter 7, verse 14, God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's introspect. Just talk to God. Thank Him that He has chosen to minister unto us today. And let's determine in our hearts what are those changes that we need to make. God delights in the prayer of his people. God delights in the obedience of his people. God delights in the zeal to serve of his people. <coughs> Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father God, because you have spoken. And we have heard what you have said. We cannot be ignorant any longer, Lord Father. And we cannot hide behind that excuse of ignorance. Because you have spoken, Lord. You have ministered unto every one of us, Lord Father. And we thank you for that, Lord. Father God, where change is needed, change us, Lord Father. Where we need to discipline ourselves, help us to be disciplined, Lord Father. Father God, help us, Lord, that we don't take you casually, Lord Father. That we are serious in how we talk to you and relate with you, Lord Father. Father God, forgive us for those times when we take you for granted. We are so much more bothered about what the world will think. That we don't even consider what you will think. Father God, forgive us. Help us to realize that in you is life. And as you delight in us, we are assured of life eternal, Lord. Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us these words today. We thank you, Lord, Father, for your servant whom you have used to bring these words across to us. We pray, Lord, that more of your anointing will be poured out upon him, Lord. That even as you anoint him, Lord Father, he will bring to us, Lord Father, further words of wisdom. Words that we could use in our day-to-day -day living, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you bless our dear pastor and his family, Lord Father. Bless them mightily, Lord Father. Continue to use them in this place, Lord, that they shall be a blessing to us. And even as you do so, let be, let them be blessed by you, Lord Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for every one of us gathered here, Lord. And Father God, I pray, Lord, that today every one of us would have had attentive years, Lord, and years that have heard your voice. Be with us, Lord Father, this week. Continue, Lord, to minister unto us. All the seeds that have been planted, Lord, let them bear fruit, Lord Father. We give glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's share the grace.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord.